discuss uh, AI today, so I'll have questions for you. You're the only person I know, uh, maybe one other in the Twin Cities, who knows how to um, inform and guide me on this subject. I know you like to keep a low profile in these podcasts, but I may have questions for you before this is all over. AI, of course, is what the Writers Guild is concerned about being replaced by. Best Calb, K-A-L-B, whose substack I... Uh, subscribe to i have no idea what a Substack is um she's a writer for jimmy kimmel and she uh posits today that um ai will not know how to write comedy because ai has never felt pain <laughs> the great comedy comes from pain and there's no way to instill or feed the pain into whatever it is see i don't even know is it a certain kind of computer is it a certain kind of machine? What the hell is it? It's just an algorithm, but it's just a smarter Google search, except it it can now write essay in an essay form or write a script in a, you know, like a playwright would or anything like that. It's, it can even do programming. I've told it, write a program to calculate pi, and it wrote a nice little, some snippets of code to write. Well, yeah, and didn't you use some sort of AI sounding voice for the promos for this uh, when we first started the podcast? That's not really AI. Um, that's okay. just that's just a text to speech that's been around for a long time. Um, okay. Welcome to the Bob and Kel Clevercast for the week of May 18th, 2023. We're going to discuss AI um, as in depth as it's possible for me to question my partners because I am you know, the, the people who are inventing this, they're going on TV to tell you, yes, this is what I've invented. I think it should be immediately regulated. I think you should go easy with it. It reminds me of the people at the head shop where I purchased Happy Chance, a cannabis-infused uh, treats. They say, start slow. I'm sorry, it was start low, go slow, you know. We invented this, but we don't want you to go overboard with it, you know. People ask me, how is it, Bob, that you behave as you do at your advanced age? And this is the answer. <laughs> Happy chance, cannabis infused from high tide in Malibu, where I am known as your highness. Here comes your highness. <laughs> and it uh, is also infused with solventless rosin, which I think may be, uh, what was on the palms of that Yankee pitcher a couple of nights ago who got thrown out of the game and then suspended for 10 games. Now those gummies? Blueberry uh, gummies? cinnamon variety. 2.5 milligrams of THC per bite, 100 milligrams per package. So when it comes to uh, a head shop uh, uh, near you, uh, you uh, uh, podcast heads in uh, the state of Minnesota, after it's fully legalized, I would recommend this. It um, it provides a kind of mellow floatiness that also translates into a very nice, serene, seamless night's sleep. Very I can't nice. say that it works well when mixed with food. I've tried that. Uh, so apparently you're just supposed to, uh, you know, uh, nip and, and snip and uh, 
sip away at it and eventually get the job done. How about alcohol? It last quite a while. I don't know whether you can see this, but it's like it's like a candy bar. You take little sections off and uh, try to make your $45 last as long as you can. Wow. Um, is AI, um, I'm sorry, is deep fake audio AI? No. Are you familiar with yeah. the, the audio that, that, that can be put into a politician's mouth, let's say, on tape or online to make them say silly things, but it looks like they're actually saying it? Yeah, there's AI technology involved in that. They need to not only capture the, you know, the voice, the but they also need the inflections and how they say certain words. You know, they all have their own little accent, so they have to capture all that. And I think AI yeah. technology is involved in doing those fine details. What is, is the a little two, like? Um, I'm sorry, Kel, I interrupted. Is that a little bit like the imagery too? It's like I know that they've put the Pope in all sorts of like fur coats and big jackets. What is it, Balenciaga Coke Pope or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah, yeah, so. big silver puffy coat. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. People picture. think they're real, but they're not. One of the two uh, celebrity impersonations I've been working on since I last saw you uh, is a uh, is a a fake uh, deep fake audio of uh, Mitch McConnell coming out of the White House with his fellow Republicans behind him. He goes to the mic and he says, "Oh, I'm not wearing a pants." <laughs> and then uh, the later in the press conference. Too. He'll say something like, I'm hung like a horse. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my deep fake audio impersonation of Mitch McConnell. And then uh, and then here's a very rare kind of impersonation. Are you familiar with Paul Hogan, a.k.a. Crocodile Dundee? That's, yeah. yeah. Do you recall the, the part in the movie, I think it was the first Crocodile Dundee movie, where there a knife fight's about to break out. Mm -hmm. These guys get their knives out, and Paul Hogan ridicules them and says, Come on, that, that's not a knife. And then he brings out this big honking hunting knife and, you know, gleaming. It's like, you know, five inches thick. Slaps it on his palm and says, now that's a knife, right? Yeah. Remember that scene? Yeah. Okay. This is my impersonation of Paul Hogan uh, in his uh, living room with a companion watching a Michael Fassbender movie called Shame, in which Michael Fassbender shows a lot of uh, frontal nudity throughout. He has this amazing, you know, a member that mm. uh, as he's walking nude through his house in the movie, it does either the metronome type thing or it does the pendulum type thing against his thighs. So I'm trying to picture Paul Hogan watching this and turning to the person next to him and saying, no, that's a painter. <laughs> so that's how There's we'll begin the show. There's a little southern drawl to that. Now that's a penis. Now that's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> um, to clear up uh, uh, the connection, I think for the first time, my connection with WGA, uh, you'd have to go back to 1980. Uh, little Kel Gradke was looking forward to his eighth birthday. And I was answering the phone in my home in Arlington, Texas. The song Soul Survivor from Exile on Main Street was just blasting in the house. I lived alone. 
And I don't know why I didn't turn the music down, but I answered the phone. I could barely hear what the guy was saying. His name was Craig Fisher, representing the Writers Guild of America, East Chapter, New York City, telling me that I was uh, being awarded the first ever screenwriting fellowship accorded by that organization in conjunction with the New York State Council on the Arts. The drill was, in olden days when there were no, you know, uh, email attachments of PDFs that you can fire off in like six seconds from your files. You literally had to, you know, type. I typed on a manual typewriter with carbons and you made photocopies and you and you typed on uh, stock, three whole stock from Office Max or whatever the big box store was back then. You bratted it yourself, packaged it, put it in the mail, weeks to get a reply so finally anyway they did reply and told me that um they would be awarding me a check of thirty five hundred dollars if i could come to new york and uh, accept it thirty five hundred dollars at that time was uh, more than the pulitzer uh was worth and in today's money almost thirteen thousand dollars so then the the task became because I did not have the $200 necessary to get on a plane to go to New York. I had to go head in hand and uh, knee on the floor to my father, <laughs> who was already furious at me with me because at the age of 29, I had not uh, performed that rite of passage, uh, uh, Texas young people, the professional bar mitzvah known as the teaching certificate. Just get your teaching certificate. You can, you can, you're insured of 25 grand a year for as far as the eye can see. And so I didn't want to be a teacher though. That's the only problem. So, um, he, um, gradually grasped the logic of loaning me 200 to go get 3,500 to come back and pay him his 200 back. So that's what happened. So I got to uh, meet some uh, well-known writers and directors, and uh, I met my mentor who had attached himself to me. What you had to do was send them a script and an idea for a second script. The script, the entire script, was called Snowtop Rodeo. It was a, a semi-pro hockey team in Texas at, uh, at the, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s. Kind of a slap shot for Texas. And then the idea for the script was something called 101, which was the time of day when uh, JFK was pronounced dead publicly, it invented the man on the grassy knoll, gave him a backstory, gave him a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Imagine his surprise at the grassy knoll when he found out he was not the only person there to assassinate JFK. Anyway, those were the two ideas that attracted the Writers Guild attention. And so I got to New York to accept it and, uh, uh, and to meet the people and... Uh, drink their beer and um my agent showed up um and left with me after the festivities um my mentor by the way is still a friend to this day he's in his 80s his name is george malco hmm. he had worked with uh, all the greats uh one of his movies is dogs of war with chris walken he uh, adapted a frederick forsyth novel and uh, he worked with Bertolucci on a movie with Jill Clayburgh called Luna. And he just done a bunch of stuff. I was very proud to have him as a mentor. And he's still a friend to this day. 
has really never uh, cared much for what I've written since then, but still I enjoyed the realistic uh, review of uh, stuff I would send him. So uh, anyway, I uh, left there and uh, did not know, uh, you know, bumpkin that I was, that you couldn't bring opened uh, bottles of beer into a New York taxi cab. Wow. So I was just scolded for that. And then uh, the last thing I remember, I do not remember getting back to the hotel. I remember being driven to my agent's uh, uh, apartment and being led to her bed. And <laughs> no. there was no happy chance back then. There was oh, only, wow. you know, whatever they were serving out of the refrigerator. Okay. And uh, the last uh, um, sensation I remember was. <laughs> oh, no, that <laughs> sensation. <laughs> I, I know where this is going. Was a tug at my zipper. Uh, there, <laughs> the tender there, tug. Uh, are suitable ways to end stories, and that's as suitable way as I know to. Yeah, it's uh, always the same way. ending with you, but <laughs> always a happy ending. <laughs> but ever since, I've uh, been, uh, you know, kind of uh, sentimentally attracted to WGA goals being a laureate member, so to speak. It was never a dues paying member. Was that but, your um was that your first trip sorry. to New York? Uh no, I had been there in 1976 on the tennis tour. Ah. I already knew my way around the city pretty well. I had already, you know, I was 29, I'd already been around the world four times with uh, tennis professionals. Amazing. Uh but um but that was one for the record books. And ever since, uh, and this goes to the strike of 87 or 88, where that same mentor, whose father had played, uh, his father was a classical musician who had played with Shostakovich, to name one, uh, George had to uh, pawn uh, his father's priceless violin Ooh. in order to stay alive because the strike went, I don't know, a year or two. It was just horrible what these people have had to go through to be able to entertain us, right. to provide the foundation for the entertainment. They're the ones of all the people not to get paid, you know? Um, this is why you have unions, you know, across the board, regardless of industry. Then came the strike of uh, 2007. Right. I was writing for uh, Thomson Reuters, but those jo writing jobs did not require um union uh, membership the only uh, unions i've been a part of was aftra at cco fm which became w lights in the early to mid 80s they were very that was a very uh staunch you know solid union job oh yeah I, that was, I was my first i was at wcco am in the late 90s and i had to sign up for sag for aftra and uh yeah as a young guy out of college that was uh a shock to the system union dues. well the the uh i appreciated the way the union steward represented us for the least little thing you know mm -hmm. they wanted to hold the company's uh feet to the fire as far as uh, enforcement and compliance and you know that's their business too yeah so um regardless of the uh strike or the year of the strike i've been with them and it's no different now as a matter of fact it's even more um urgent now the need to uh pay the writer pay yeah. them agree and, and we're not talking about you know like uh aaron sorkin 
we're talking about the rank and file, you know, writers for TV shows who are concerned about streaming. Back in 07, to show you how fickle tastes are and um, uh, easily outmoded industry trends, DVDs were a big concern. DVD um, revenue. And now that's, you know, that's off the table because of the popularity of streaming. Right. Now that the kinks have been worked out of the streaming. So they don't want to be left out of the streaming revenue and they don't want to be replaced by AI. So that's where I come to AI. And uh, the part that I don't uh, approve of, not that I'm going to have a vote, but I don't like anything that replaces a human at their job so they can provide for their family. Two instances just recently, within the past couple of years, came up. One was a food delivery robot that I saw prowling the streets of Berkeley, California. And I thought, oh, at first, I, I thought, isn't that cute? Here's a little robot, comes up to about my knees, and it's just chugging along, and it knows where it's going, and and it's got the food in there, and the person, I don't know how the person goes about uh, paying for it or tipping or whatever, but uh, that's what's happening. And then a few weeks ago, at uh, one of the clay court tournaments in uh, Europe, I think it may have been Madrid, this hideous metal animal comes crundling out of this portal bearing the new tennis balls for the change of balls at seven and nine games or nine mm-hmm. and 11 or whenever they're changing them these days. And it comes out and, and it goes up to the, um, and it's just ugly as hell. I bet. And um, I don't know whether you've seen these kinds of, robot type animals that do human jobs but it goes out to the chair empire chair empire lifts the lid takes the new balls out and the robot goes on its way human beings used to do that you know they were either volunteer provided by the sponsor or they were uh, one of the ball persons who were paid to contribute to that part of the tournament Hmm. i just think it's a shame when any kind of automation i realize that there's got to be technology you know um we're 20 we're 20 roughly 20 years into one device after the next one you know replacing device after the next and now ai and i'm just uh, concerned that uh and this is my lay point of view totally amateurish point of view is that it's going to take us over that that uh you know people can have their jobs replaced by robots now having said that I had a conversation with the most entrepreneurial person I know in San Jose, uh, California, serving the South Bay. He's my um, sidekick from the San Jose show in 1985, Brian Ray, Mm. R-H-E-A. And uh, he does a variety of useful um, businesses that serve real needs. You can find out more about him and what he does at Raycom. R-H-E-A-com.com. He writes me to say he's working on launching a robotics company, autonomous drone flight to help control bird foraging around harvest time of California agriculture. Birds are a real problem for fruit and nut crop loss. Drones are now approved in California for remote operation. It's pretty cool. AI is here. I get that. This sounds to me like it's going to benefit society. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep the the predators, the the birds who are after the fruits and 
whatnot, the agriculture, keep them away, okay? I don't know whether a human being could have done that or has been doing that to this point, but to me, and and I would accept Brian's uh, uh, guidance on this, this looks like it's going to fill a need. Yes. And and not just uh, be a for-profit operation, but also uh, altruistic. So I'm interested, you know, have, have any... Have either of you seen evidence of uh, of that kind of thing taking hold where you're living and working? I, well, I think your concern is a good one because I think most people are scared that robots are going to take over their job. But the important thing, I think, Kurt, you'll back me up on this. Most most robots or mo- uh, motorized situations like that need a human to run it. So a, whole, a lot of companies I know are teaching the employee how to run that robot so they can make it easier to do their job not necessarily get rid of them now i know in a lot of car car plants have been famous for letting go of their employees but i know that a lot of them want to keep the human element in it and if a a robot will help keep their job moving smoother smoother it'll make more sense i don't know so some of these robots are like model airplanes like you mean like like uh uh you know, um, where you control them from the ground yeah. with a remote control device. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, perfect example is the drone. I mean, basically a drone can't do anything unless you have somebody m- m- maneuvering it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the company I work for uses it all the time with the uh, construction projects when you're flying around and getting overhead views and, and taking yeah. a look at things. I see them at the beach. They're taking photography of uh, doing photography of whales and sharks and that kind of thing. We saw one, which at- you know, a person wouldn't would have to be in a helicopter or a low flying, uh, whatever the biplane or whatever there those are called to take that kind of photography. We were in Florida a couple of years ago and we saw a drone just outside our hotel room peeping in at us. So there's that too. Peeping drones. Yes, peeping drones, Bob. Believe it or not, wow. I was putting so on a can- show just like our friend. Uh, Brad Newman. Can the uh, I saw Brad this morning, as a matter of fact. You I did? Did you say out. hi from Kel? <laughs> the testosterone replacement of a week ago has kicked in. Oh. Uh, because I saw Brad uh, this morning for a few minutes, and uh, he seems to be, you know, just <laughs> getting the job done. <laughs> getting her done. Way to go, Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> I don't know why this occurs to me, but when I went in for this first visit to this particular UCLA men's clinic in Santa Monica last week, coming down on the elevator and, uh, uh, you know, there are like four or five other people in the elevator. And then uh, two people get on and I'm going, holy crap, the guy not wearing a mask is Christopher Guest. Oh, well, that must mean that the short, spiky, salt and pepper haired woman with him wearing the mask like she thinks she's going to fool somebody. Is Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh, the yogurt nuts. Yeah. So you know, who knows what they were there for? But they uh, went down on the elevator. I I was um, tempted to congratulate her on her Oscar, but I don't know for a fact that she won one because I didn't watch the televised ceremony. She did. I think I heard through the grapevine that she won. Yes, she she did did win. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people weren't happy with it, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Kurt, what what is your exposure to drones? Do you have any? You see them flying over? Do you own one yourself? How does a person go about owning one in the first place? 
Oh, I was a fairly early adopter to drones. I've been flying them for 10, 12 years now. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. And, and what do your what do your drones accomplish? Uh just I just go up and take a look around and look at the, the surrounding territory. It just gets some scenic views. And I actually got some of my footage used by um a Discovery Channel. I can't remember the name of a show and they used it. I flew around Whittier, Alaska, and they used that footage to uh, as part of one of their Alaska shows. And are you monitoring the footage as it's being recorded, or does the drone have to be returned to you before you can look at what it's worked on? I got a remote view. I can see what it's seeing. Yeah, it's yeah. what the camera is seeing. So, yeah, I get a pretty good view. Right. And this is being stored uh instantaneously in your computer it's being stored at both places it's being stored on the drone and on my phone i'm the, i'm using my phone as the display okay kurt is that just your personal use or is that for a job it's okay. personal use okay i i yeah there's a uh faa requires a if, if you're going to use it for a job you need to get something called a part 107 i haven't done that yet Okay. So is I'm that Minnesota law what you just cited? No, this is federal, FAA. Federal, okay. Yeah. But these are cleared to be used for this purpose in the state of Minnesota? Yeah, just for recreational use. Yeah, you have to follow the FAA rules for even recreational use. But um, yeah, if you want to do it for a real estate agent who wants drone footage oh, of yeah. house for sale, you need a part 107 from FAA in order to fly around and take pictures. And where do you go for that? Where do you go for that? An office in St. Paul? There's testing places. I haven't looked it up in a long time, but yeah, it has to be an FAA approved testing facility that you get tested on. And did you use one or more of these in your capacity with the weather service? No, not in an official. I, I think to use it in an official way at, with the weather service, I think I'd have to get the 107. I still, yeah. So, yeah, it's a fun little hobby. I haven't done, been doing much of it lately, but it's it's a fun little hobby. I just don't know how, uh, Kel, you uh, uh, just, um, didn't you just give us an anecdote about spying via drone? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, that's what the kids, the kids are the ones who get them as Christmas presents and they're flying those things all over the place. I was spied by a drone when I lived in Hawaii. You know, I was on the seventh floor of a condo and there's this little drone that was hovering and looking in my window. Little beeping red light. Uh-huh. Crazy. That's just nuts. Well, I guess it's I guess it, it comes under the heading of anything that can be used for good or evil, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, they what are some of the regulations? You have to be able to see it. So, like if it's a line of sight thing, so you can't like just let it go. Oh, I'm going to go over the Dodger Stadium and and fly it. You have to be able to see the drone. That's one of the first yeah. things that's always broken though. Whenever you're drone flying, <laughs> yeah, because you have remote access to it and you can see where it's going. So you can. It's out of my. I have bad eyes, so it's not lose it pretty quickly. <laughs> that's your. Uh, that's your plead. That's your yeah. plead. I don't. I can't see it because I can't see it. I don't have good eyes. <laughs> Years ago, I remember seeing uh, people fly kites of uh, various kinds at the beach. And I'm thinking, 
wonder what would happen if they could mount a camera on that thing and damned if they haven't done it i mean it's uh it's the drone right yeah. performs the same function you should have marketed that idea back then you would have had a a man now you know uh i i even got a uh, brainstorm boy this was i i forget after which beer this was <laughs> Years ago, uh, in Woodbury, at a place called Sunsets, where we played NTN oh, yeah. trivia, and I just got it in my head. Oh, I know, Bluetooth earrings. Wow! And then I got home and uh, googled Bluetooth earrings, and someone had already come up with it. I know there's Bluetooth cufflinks. That was pretty uh, popular back in the day. I just don't know, you know, uh, how a person goes about thinking and following up on anything original anymore because. The number of original people out there, entrepreneurs like my friend uh, Brian in uh, the South Bay and then other, well, like, you know, uh, uh, I hate to use him in this context, but Elon Musk, hmm. you know, people in high places and low places. Well, like with jobs, I got the impression that the reason Steve Jobs came up with his inventions was to fill a need, his own he wanted a slab in his uh, a palm that could do two dozen things. No, uh, no, not just a phone, but a phone that did two dozen other things. Correct. In 1914, a um, a series of uh, books for kids came out, and I read them voraciously in the 1950s as a child. They were the Tom Swift series yeah. of books. Tom Swift and his diving sea copter. Tom Swift and his ultrasonic cycloplane cycloplane and then i i went back over the series yesterday and i found one from 1914 that said the title of it was tom swift and his photo telephone wow that's 1914 yeah genius that's what uh that's what you got to tip your hat to regardless of how it's used for evil by certain countries or governments or uh you know uh, gangsters you got to tip your hat to the person who came up with the idea. There was, I was reading this history, weird thing, off, totally off, off, kind of off subject, but I was reading this history of the baseball cap and they were talking about the different styles over the year. But back in the thirties, some, some Cleveland Indian had a, a, a cap that had the glasses come down from the bill. So like, like almost like flip glasses, but they were attached to the hat. I'm like, that's yep. genius. I yep. was at an office the other day because we work in construction and there's like a hard hat now that has the glasses that come down from the hard hat so i'm like i mean it, well it's it, like for welders right right the thing that flips down over your well, face that too but these are weld? actually actually glasses or protective lenses so anyway and someone with the cleveland guardians came up with this <laughs> cleveland indians i think it was his name was ed roush i don't even know he was a ball player back in the day so crazy did he have a did he have a thing of chief wahoo <laughs> on his uh, cap i know they don't the, even the I, retro the retro racist uh logo of the cleveland indians yes wifey was in cleveland last week and i asked her to buy me some chief wahoo material there's nothing you can't get it anymore there's nothing nothing around you just stuck with guardians i'm glad you brought up the uh, subject of uh, uh baseball hats because i think we established the last time that we met, and I had to break this news to my son and to my sister. Okay. That baseball hats, dogs, and bicycles are for children. And you've given me 
another uh, entity to add to that list in our conversation this past week, you mentioned baseball cards. <laughs> not that I'm uh, uh, not uh, regretful. I am that I didn't save mine. I don't know where they are, but I know they'd be worth a lot of money today because, you know, I was saving them since my first year in Little League, which would have been 1957. Mm -hmm. so you can imagine the Mickey Mantle rookie cards, what they would bring today. But I think we have to add, uh, I won't say children. I'll say young at heart. Yes. These are items for the young at heart, especially when the baseball cap is worn with the bill on the side of the head, like Spanky and our gang, <laughs> little, little rascals, young at heart. And then while riding the bicycle, maybe with the glove on the handlebar, the ball yes. glove on the handlebar. Halcyon days. Yeah, for the young at heart. Mm -hmm. My sister took it pretty well, actually, when I informed her <laughs> through the podcast that dogs are for children. <laughs> and that, you know, I felt kind of Have you, you've, you've never owned a, a dog back to my or a 40s when I had two dogs and a cat. I'm sorry? Okay. You've had, when, when when did you have a pet? How many, how long ago have, has it, how long has it been? Oh, man. I had um, a dog during the first marriage and most of the second uh bought at a, from a pet store hip dysplastic paid for a series of uh surgeries Ugh. and he lived five years longer than the the typical normal whatever the term is sheepdog is supposed to last so i you know and, and he's relaxed uh next to his um lab mix uh companion in the Ramsey County, um, is it Ramsey County? Yeah, Ramsey County Humane Society. Okay. A pet cemetery on Highway 36. Well, I'll stop by and say hi. Gave him a great respect. life. Sandy and Shelby gave him a great life and and a great uh, send off. I remember the guy, the grave digger, asking me, "You won't? I, I can use uh, uh, <laughs> I can use Mitch a deep McConnell's fake. voice deep, if you like." Use one said, of your deep fakes. Uh, do you want to see the animal? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't want to see the animal because you're going to lift the lid and you're going to show me the gnarled, you know, curled mm. version of a beautiful animal who used to lope toward me in meadows across the United States, who, who went from Texas to Minnesota with me. Oh, wow. Minnesota to San Jose. Wow. San Jose back to Minnesota, a lot of miles on this dog. So, no, I don't want to see the animal. I don't want to remember him this way. And this is, you know, the same reason that I didn't want to see Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> in the year 2003. The I didn't want thing. to see the Judds, except maybe to catch Naomi if she had a relapse on stage or whatever she was suffering at the time. Mm. Um, the same reason that I don't want to date uh, <laughs> Diane. Di Diane Feinstein. That's why. I think it's clear that someone has beaten. Someone has beaten up Diane Feinstein. Well, she knows I don't know you've seen photos of her or uh, a video of her lately, but that's but I hear, just sad. I hear she's back though. I hear she's back in in her she's seat. back in a wheelchair and just not making a lick of sense. Oh, not, not making a lick of sense. You've got you've got a I can't talk to her anymore. You've got quite a cadre of politicians in your neck of the woods. A lot of them don't make a lot of sense. <laughs> but well, we carry on. I uh, like your governor and you should like mine. <laughs>
I uh, I think uh, that I'm building toward a um, some sort of confrontation with the uh, second ex-wife who is uh, apparently very proudly living in DeSantisville. No, and no. Uh, just doesn't have you know a speck of scruples or conscience about it oh contributing my. to that puny uh, tax base. And uh, I don't know, by now, maybe she's volunteered to help him kick a trans girl in the nuts or something. <laughs> you know, he's just, uh, he's a menace. And he's going to be announcing for president next week. And she's oh. down there. Uh, I guess she's inherited half of her uh, parents' timeshare. Wow. And uh, I, I just, my conscience would not allow me no. to spend five minutes or a thin tourist dime in the state of Florida. I mean, if you had, if you were already living there, and all this happened. I guess I would be okay if you stayed. I guess you have to. But boy, to move there would be just goodness. I just couldn't even imagine. So I'm he behind you. And ya. Greg Abbott in Texas are basically telling X percent of the population, we don't want you. We don't believe in you or your rights or your special, you know, uh, biological or gender needs. You can just get out of here because. Um, in our world, the companies are more powerful than the employees, and the church is more powerful than the state, and the governor is more powerful than the business. If the governor of Florida doesn't like the way you're running your business, if he thinks you're woke, in other words, if you're uh, extending all these fancy family leave rights and what to, whatnot to your employees or organizing LGBTQ pride nights, among your uh, employee roster, he'll try to shut you down. Mm. There is absolutely no way that my conscience, well, I have two sisters in Texas. I've already told them, Yeah, I'm going to try to be the best brother I can to you for the duration because we will never see each other again yeah. unless you decide to meet me in New Mexico or something after right. children go back to school and, and, uh, you know, people can see places like Santa Fe or what have you without uh, a lot of screaming kids during the day. Uh, I just won't put up with it. And, and now Montana. I'm not a TikTok guy, but can you imagine your governor giving a damn about TikTok to the point that he would lead a legislature in banning it? Mm. I mean, really? And banning books? I was I uh, conversing with uh, my brother-in-law in Texas about the new biography of Leon Russell. And I said, I really uh, recommend it. But, you know, there are some there is some strange behavior portrayed in this book about Leon Russell. You know, he ran he ran with a uh, live and let live crowd. And you probably ought to buy this before it's banned. <laughs> Getting a little uh, dig in there. It's, it's terrible. I don't know. The politician I miss the most that got like, you know, ran out of town, for lack of a better term, is Al Franken. I, I think he, you know? he could have really made a difference, but he was I don't know crazy because i'm currently i'm reading this book the the tom davis book did you ever read that oh, one wow. i've heard of that what do you think yeah it's great all the behind the scenes stuff of snl and dan Aykroyd yeah. and Lord michaels and jerry I didn't garcia even know tom davis was still alive he, he isn't this is this is a couple years old but uh oh uh, so tom davis is no longer with us correct okay but it's that's I kind of enjoy that more reading a book from a guy that's passed, you know. Kind of yeah. Oh, exactly. It. Someone else who is no longer with us, and you won't hear a segue like that very often, mm -hmm. is uh, a member of uh, New York City's top fifty most dangerous homeless by the name of Jordan Neely. 
Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I have the kind of time as a retired person that I can sit down and think of uh, all the uh, mass rapid transit, light rail, uh, subway type action I've been privy to in my life. That same trip I was telling you about, 76, summer of 76, my first trip to New York, I went on the subway. And um, what an education. Everyone in that subway car, this is 1976, mind you, looked miserable. And I'm looking around at me at all these long faces, like, you know, an Avedon photo of a group of long faces from, you know, the Hoovervilles and the Depression or something. And I'm thinking, is there a law that says you people have to stay in this city that makes you so miserable? And there was a guy leaning against a door. Like he was hoping the door would open and he could be flung out of the subway car to his death. And while he was leaning on the door, it's one of those things, I was 25. And, uh, you know, almost 50 years later, I can't unsee this. He was trying to break his arm. I know. I, know. I don't get it. Wow. So he, he was trying to break his arm. I, I can't. I can't I, tell you. I I. I can't tell you the position he was in, but he was trying to harm himself in any number of ways during the time I shared with him uh, as far away as possible yeah. on that subway. Since then, I've been on the tubes in London, in Montreal. I took a subway uh, as a child in Fort Worth, Texas, from a parking lot to a department store downtown. Um, I've not been, actually, I was on light rail in the Twin Cities, and and this is the the this what is what gets to the yeah part of where people are uh, grieving the um, dangerous homeless guy uh, rather than uh, applauding the person who who had the courage to even get close to him. I will get close to him. They live like animals, and they're walking disease factories. So I think it takes a certain amount of courage just to get near one of these people. Okay, right. So. Two trips from Bloomington to Target Field. On one trip, a guy with a guitar who decided he was going to serenade us the whole way. <laughs> and then another guy was an evangelist with a Bible who thought he would uh, sermonize to us the whole way. And I'm sitting there on each of these occasions, and I'm thinking, you know, my Christian faith won't allow me to physically harm this person in order to shut him up so that this ride that I'm paying for and that everyone else is this guy just hopped on. I don't know. They they know you're a captive audience. I can't do anything, but I wouldn't be hurt if someone did. <laughs> that happened twice. I don't know which was more annoying, the, the being held hostage to the uh, folk singer or being held hostage to the uh, Billy Graham-like uh, evangelist. Either way, it was unfair. And... There wasn't any security on this car or in on the train line, what have you, wherever, at any juncture. And apparently there's no security either at our light rail here or yours, because that's where seemingly the majority of the violence happens Yeah, in L.A. and in the Twin Cities is uh, the train station. Yes. Isn't that nuts? It is. It's crazy. But uh, I don't know. You're. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, there. I've been on times when I've been on well the, that train, but any in other states, 
and you just a group of lack of better term ruffians gang members they jump yeah. on and they're just sitting in the back swearing this and that and like I, yeah. you feel a little bit like okay is something oh, going yes. to go down you know yeah exactly that's exactly right and we're woke bob we're woke guys <laughs> and we still you know Actually, I don't know that the instinct of self-preservation uh, qualifies me as a woke person. All I know is that when someone is courageous enough to step forward and neutralize the threat and a technicality regarding the number of uh, seconds or minutes used with a particular hold that subdues that person until law enforcement can arrive, I'm sorry that the person is dead, but I'm glad that everyone else lived. And I know these value judgments, um, uh, you know, do not re reflect fidelity to my Christian faith either. But I want, I wanted everyone on that subway car and today all over the country and Europe, wherever there are subways, I want them to live. I don't want the troublemaker. And by the way, when you, when you hear the witnesses, as you will at the trial of uh, of Mr. Uh, of Daniel Penny, when you hear what the witnesses heard and the fear that they felt, uh, I, I think, I hope people will understand why this guy felt he had to step in. He is not Bernie Getz 2.0. He did not go onto that subway car intending to harm anyone like Bernie Getz brought his gun uh you know on board because he was fed up you know being um jostled and uh dissed by uh black youth you know yeah. this is not bernie Gates, right so uh are your only uh light rail or mass transit or subway stories from your own system there in the twin cities yeah pretty much i mean there've been some times like when I was out in Vegas, I mean, you count, if you count taxis and Ubers, you know, there's always, you know, and you know, this drivers are always a little bit, you know, crazy. So like when, and I don't know how people get their hands on Teslas, but the, the driver I had was very proud of his Tesla and he would roar nuts? in roar up to the stoplight. He goes, I don't even have to look. And he's in the, 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 the car miraculously stopped short of the, the bumper of the car in front of it. I'm like, you're you're scaring me right now, dude. Put your hands on the wheel. <laughs> How is a person who has just spent a hundred thousand dollars on a car, <laughs> on an electric car? Yeah. How does he need to drive it for business? <laughs> Could a person make monthly payments driving a, a Tesla for Uber or Lyft? I'm guessing he's got other career aspirations. Maybe he's got, I don't know, maybe it was Brad Newman. Maybe he's got another income coming in. Who knows? In Berkeley last year for the uh, Robert Plant, Allison Krauss show, we were driven back to the hotel by a young woman. Um, I don't think it was an electric car, but the car had become completely Asian. Oh. Asian readouts everywhere. Oh, wow. It was like stepping into uh, some sort of Asian spaceship and being uh, driven back to the hotel uh, with it. Domo this Arigato, is Mr. Roboto. Huh? Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. I, I guess. <laughs> this, was, uh, this was a different kind of transportation, but it's nothing like, I think only once or twice 
I turned to my uh, backseat mate and said, I think we're about to be kidnapped. Mm -hmm. Only once or twice in several years of ride shares have I felt that. But uh, I don't know whether you've seen a movie called The Taking of Pelham 123 or one called The Incident uh, from way back in the day. I think even Ed McMahon was in this movie, black and white. And it'll put the fear of God in you. Uh, even back then, it was conceivable that an entire subway car, the, the the people inside it, could be terrorized by one person yeah. who, ju who just got his kicks by doing that. And then fast forward however many years, and I'm sure Jordan Neely uh, uh, is not the only person who will be in a subway car today to announce, I don't care anymore. You can kill me today. I'm hungry and I'm angry and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to imagine myself sitting there listening to this and I'm just thinking, whose fault is that? I mean, uh, ever since I settled where I've settled, they're, they're standing, looking able-bodied on medians and often on ramps right. with cardboard signs. And, and there was a, a, here, this poster guy, on the Sunday New York Times last Sunday. His name is Abdul. We're supposed to save Abdul. I mean, well, you sound like a hard ass. There's... But whatever happened to a job? Whatever happened to not feeling sorry for yourself? Right. If you can stand and you have the strength to whine and lug your junk, literal, literally possessions, right. around a given county, I gotta believe that you, you can do something, especially in a country that's crawling with jobs post-COVID because of the, you know, very yeah. selective workforce. I've thought that way myself, but uh, it's always, I know I was watching the, the Minnesota United soccer game last night and they were all wearing these green ribbons on their jerseys. I'm like, Marcella, what is that? She's like, oh, it's mental health awareness month. And I think that's, I mean, it's more prevalent these days to be more observant to mental health issues and i applaud um, that but the problem is you know i mean there's so many and so little so few available places to get help especially when it yeah. costs a lot of money as we all know you remember the first to lead the way were simone biles and naomi uh right was it osaka yeah the, yeah the golfer yeah oh no tennis, tennis player. player tennis tennis yeah and and people rallied around their need to quit, mm -hmm. their need to stop, yes. and have their mental health assessed. But, you know, they could stand not to work for two or three years because they were multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. uh, the people I feel for are the ones who institutions are not reaching. I worked with a guy, and this was my point in the comment I made to the New York Times. Right. Um about this Abdul guy is that I've worked with people who had no legs. Don Vogel had no sight. You remember Don Vogel from KSTP, yeah. the round mound of sound? Uh -huh. I worked with blind people. And then there was a, a mental health case at Thomson Reuters who worked, you know, not uh, uh, his cube was like uh, maybe 10 feet from mine, who uh, tried his best to find some help, could not, and killed himself. Mm. I remember, you know, going to the funeral and, and they were trying to, you know, put a 
happy spin on it. There was no happy spin to be had. This guy was in his 20s. I can't imagine how dark like life has to be before a person will do that. But right. I, I think that, you know, um, if they, um, if the mentally ill among the homeless uh, will not stay in the domiciles we find for them, I, I just don't, I don't know what to do. Right. You know, yeah, no, in the meantime, a... in the meantime, I don't go near them. Yeah. Because I mean, that's... they're angry and I'm envious that they sleep so well and that they can afford alcohol and drugs without having any jobs. I'm I'm envious in a way. And there was a guy in Santa Monica. I'm just trying to get from wherever Barney's beanery to my car. And he's literally on top of me as I'm walking and he's he's lecturing me. He's angry and I'm trying to ignore him. And it was like, you know, the, the kind of scene you would have uh, been witnessed two decades ago in New York, where, the, you know, one of the New York stereotypes was the person standing on the street corner or holding down a stool in a, a diner, having a conversation with themselves. Well, it's, you know, obviously come fully blown inconvenience from there. I just do not know what to do. Karen Bass the new mayor of Los Angeles is doing mm -hmm. what she can to clean up the uh, uh, settlements and find homes for these people. But what happens when, when they don't take to it, mm -hmm. when, when they would prefer the street, what do you do? Right. I mean, I always wonder, like you think uh, you see those, the people at the end of the ramps with the signs and need, need money. So I always think I, I never do, but, I always think, what if I said, I will give you this money. Let's go over to what have you Denny's and get you a, a meal. Would they like that? Or would they say, no, I'll just take the money. Thank you very much. When my first uh, uh, home in the Palisades, I walked up towards sunset because there was a Starbucks there and I could uh, use my laptop there to write for my job. And there was a guy sitting on the street in this suburb where the per capita income is $175,000 a year, and he was refusing money. Hmm. There was a guy trying to give him money, and the guy refused it. Wow. I also don't understand the Palisades uh, brand of homeless who are overweight <laughs> and have the latest gadgets. Yeah. I don't understand how that's possible. Where'd you get those fancy tennis shoes? Son. I, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like at the uh, T-Mobile store, where the um, where the homeless person is uh, seated at a desk with the salesperson going over the group plan. Yeah. This just doesn't make sense to me. That, when I, that didn't make sense to me. I once saw um, a, a homeless person at the at the end of a ramp, and a van pulled up. He jumped in, and another one jumped out. And I'm like, are they transfer these? these guys around town what is going on it was very you know can i a, drop a i would love to guys? see so what was that what say, was that say again kurt can i drop a statistic on you sure according to the university of chicago they estimate that about half of um, homeless people have jobs either part-time or full-time so so they're just playing it. They're they're just uh, well, are playing it. They they got jobs, but they don't want they can't afford a house or they don't want the extra expense of having a house. Wow. So I'm not like my uh, brother in law who uh, Trump or brother in law in Texas who 
is concerned that the Hispanic waitress is um, screwing him out of $4 on his breakfast bill. Mm -hmm. But I have, I will admit, seen these people and, and they're not, I, I would be skin and bones. I don't know how they come by looking so hale and hearty. And I'm just thinking, could this be a syndicate? Could this be, you know, uh, some could sort this of side person hustle on the on ramp who's going from car to car trying to sell you a twig from a tree or something? He's that out of it. Mm -hmm. Could this be an act? Could this be part of a syndicate that gets together every evening? Sun goes down, we meet and we divvy up the the cash. Is it that makes possible? Me it makes me wonder how much a person actually gets when standing on the side of the road. Do they get hundreds of dollars? I just, I can't even conceive it, but is that a day's work in itself? That's I. So, so what do you do when you are held captive at a green light or, or a, uh, I'm sorry, a red light or a red uh, left turn light or what have you. Mm -hmm. And they're standing outside your car, mm. looking in, wanting you to lower your window so they yeah. can, Panhandle you? What do you look away? Do you do you bend over to a glove compartment like you have a gun in there? What, how how do you handle it? Generally, I do look. I look. I mean, you can't help but look at them sometimes with their puppy dog eyes, and it's just like, I mean, I might give them a smile. That's about all I can do sometimes. But I've I've never really given to panhandlers. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, have you? The closest we've ever come to that was the last time we were in Palm Springs, and there's another city. I don't mean to stereotype, but a lot of them do wind up in the really pretty places. And so well, we came out of a, a, I think it was a Peruvian or Chilean restaurant. It was all starches. I mean, <laughs> if I had finished that meal, I, I wouldn't have been able to sit down for weeks. <laughs> and uh, so what we did was, after we left the restaurant, with our doggy boxes, we put them on park benches. We also did this in Del Mar, just outside San Diego, once upon a time. Put the, put the doggy box on the park bench or, you know, put it in a corner. I'm not going near them, but, you know, I have been known to say, I have a meal here for you if you want it. Right. I've you done know? that. Yeah. So I just don't know what else to do. You know, I just, there's certain stuff about what's going on now that makes me throw up my hands. And um, I I, uh, I go back to my childhood and I uh, uh, ruminate on the visionary literature, uh, the hero of Tom Swift. And um, a lot of it came to pass, but so much of it is not futuristic. Back then, if you said, little Bobby, what's going to be going on in 2023? 2023, oh my gosh. We're going to last that long. I'll bet there will be rocket ships and, and jet packs and, you know, death stairs where you can, you know, make people disappear. Oh, no. We're going to turn the clock back completely. We're going to go back to the 19th century with some of this stuff, with the poverty and the filth and treating each other like crap. My partner has a good friend, one of the few authentic and genuine people in Malibu whose daughter-in-law, actually it's the girlfriend of her son, has already announced, because she is pregnant, that the child will not be vaccinated. Oh Can you imagine being that skeptical of science? 
that you're going to make your child a non-person. That child will not be able to get into school. That person, that child will contract diseases and pass it along to other children. How mm -hmm. selfish. Yeah, the QAnon lifestyle. But yeah. this is 2023. And back in Tom Swift's time, we were supposed to be looking toward a year like this as the great enlightenment. And yeah, we've got our devices and we've got our AI. But a lot of this stuff is right out of the 19th century, man. Yeah, It's like leeches and enemas and all the primitive crap. It's really right. ironic, I think. Yeah, just you look at who you think is a friend and you see them spout some nonsense about the Democrats being pedophiles and you think, what is going on in that person's mind? Well, now this sounds like it's something from social media. Yeah, exactly. And why are you on social media? <laughs> I know. I try to stay away. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just, I I don't know. It is. I'm well, ask my sister the same uh, question. And she claims she's still on Facebook because of the groups, the groups of people who have one thing in common, one interest in common. And I'm thinking, OK, I can see that. But why why you'd want to be on a wide open social media where you could be yeah. exposed to some, you know, some new young uh, racist talent on Twitter using up his number of characters with the N word. You're right. Social media is a piece of crap. It is. It's like it's the like trolls. the editorial equivalent of the Port Authority. Yeah. Get out of there, man. You're right. It's, I got to ruin your IQ. I got to cut ties. And I generally I'm I'm not. I dabble. I'm not a guy who goes on there and has to be on there every day. It's like maybe once a month I'll say, "Oh, what's happening?" But yeah, you're right. You just got to you got to stay away. I think any any person who's somewhat smart just has to stay away from that. Okay, that's half an upbeat note on which to end. The other half is this programming note. Otani pitches against the Twins Sunday afternoon and on a TV station near you get thee to a sports bar and enjoy history being made. My son-in-law is a Baltimore Orioles fan. We've done a lot of corresponding texting during the last four days because the Angels have been in Baltimore. And he is just agog, as most uh, people, most normal people are at what Trout and uh, Otani do in the number two and three spots in the order. And I told Sam, uh, this is like God telling me I'm ending your life on a Mantle and Maris note, just like when you were a child. We're going back to square one. If Mantle had pitched, Mantle didn't pitch. Maris and Mantle only hit. Mm -hmm. In this combination, Mantle pitches. So if you want to see this Sunday afternoon, if you're in Minnesota or if you're in California, um, there are networks for both teams and you can see history being made. The key difference, Bob, the Angels haven't won nothing. Do you think they you think they can? I mean, they're still sitting at 500. I'm always amazed. Well, you know, I think Will Chamberlain only won one oh. NBA championship and he was a legend. Yeah, that's true. Right? But I'm just saying the comparison to Mantle and Maris, I, I think it's adequate. I mean, they're all, all great hitters, but Mantle and Maris had something that took that team higher. You're going to have to talk to the owner of the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm frustrated. Because Mike Trout and uh, Shohei Otani are not liable in any way. It is not their fault that, the, right. that they're not surrounded with right. outstanding talent. Exactly. But how long before they both end up on the Yankees? Uh, and, you know, then we'll have to, this is, this is why we have a podcast to get together 
in a common grief when something like that happens. Let's talk. All right, we're out of here. Remember, Otani versus Twins this Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for viewing. Bye. So long for now.